Hi, I'm Dawn Quest and welcome to Essentially Women. And to kick off this episode, I have a question for you. How are you today? And when we get asked this question, we usually respond with, I'm fine, I'm good, everything's good, when in reality we may be feeling anything but. The question, how are you, it's really about the small talk, isn't it? Greasing the wheels of conversation and maybe just establishing a level of connection with another person. It's a nice way of saying hi, it it shows that we care. But how many of us really take the opportunity to talk about how we feel? How many of us are really even aware of how we feel? It's so easy to bury our feelings under a mountain of stuff we have to get done. So we may have a vague idea that something's not quite right in our internal world, but it's pushed to one side and we crack on. And what we might find happening, though, is that those unexpressed feelings, they might just show up in other ways. They have a really sneaky way of doing that. We might end up overeating or drinking too much or having an argument with someone we love about something completely unrelated just to vent those built up feelings. And most of the time we're doing it subconsciously. No one ever gets up and says, you know what, today's the perfect day to take out all my unresolved emotions or my nearest and dearest, overeat, drink too much and generally have a bad day. We, we just don't do that on a conscious level, but sometimes we're doing it subconsciously. So what I really want you to do right now, as you're listening, I want you to take a moment to check in with yourself. Pause this episode, if you like, and ask yourself, how am I feeling emotionally, physically, spiritually? Just take a moment. Do a quick body scan if that's helpful. And notice if there's any tension, any stress, any uncomfortable feelings, and ask yourself what those feelings are. Are you feeling overwhelmed by everything? Are you angry that someone's upset you or sad about a relationship that's not going quite right with your partner or your children, your friends? Are you worried about things or are you just tired? I mean, we all know that one, right? Okay, so now you've had a moment to check in with your feelings. If your answer is, I'm feeling great, I'm wonderful, I'm feeling happy, I'm excited, that's really lovely. But if there's anything that's not quite right, slightly off kilter, not sitting well. What I really want to go into in this episode is how we treat ourselves in general. But at those times when we, what we really need is a hefty helping of self-compassion, of understanding, a gentle word, a kind touch. How do we speak to ourselves when we're having a tough day? How do we act towards ourselves? Are we as women harder on ourselves than anybody else? And why? Is it because we live in a society that places so many expectations on who we're meant to be, most of which if we do achieve them, then they're just impossible to sustain? The loving mum, the caring partner, superwoman, the career woman, sexy, fun, cute, an amazing cook, house always looks perfect, kids are perfectly turned out. There's a lot of expectation that's placed upon us and a lot of expectation we place upon ourselves. So no wonder we're hard on ourselves. But why does it matter? And what can we do to change that? Even why should we change that? Why is it important that we start being kinder to ourselves, that we stop being so hard on ourselves? So if you're being too hard on yourself today, take a moment and let's have a chat about what's going on. Well, let's first take a look at what I mean by being too hard on ourselves. Firstly, there's the negative self-talk, that inner critic, 
who just love to beat us up and tell us all the things we're doing wrong. How many times do you wake up in the morning and before your feet have even touched the ground, that inner critic has started? You're in the shower and you're like, oh, I'm so fat, my hair's a mess, none of my clothes fit, I look terrible. Got to get the kids to school, why are mornings such a nightmare? Why can't I be more organised? You may even be carrying over something that you think you did wrong the day before and you're blaming yourself for it. I made such a mess at work yesterday. What a fool I made of myself. I'm totally, totally stupid. Why can't I keep my mouth shut? They're what I call the why aren't I's and the why am I's. <laughs> it's all the ways we beat ourselves up and blame us, blame ourselves for things. The second way we punish ourselves is by pushing ourselves or giving ourselves too much to do as it's kind of like a penance. I ate too much yesterday, so now I need to go to the gym and run an extra mile, or I need to starve myself today, or I messed up, I'm lazy, I need to do more. When our bodies say we need to relax, we don't. We keep going as if giving ourselves a break is somehow bad. In a similar vein, we overachieve. We set unrealistic goals for ourselves. We set the bar really high for ourselves as if that's how we measure our worth. And then, of course, those unrealistic goals set ourselves up for failure, which starts the whole berating ourselves cycle all over again. These are just a few ways we are hard on ourselves, but ask yourself, in what ways am I being too hard on myself? Then ask yourself, would I treat someone else this way? Would I talk to someone else the way I talk to myself? And probably not. If we talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves, probably none of us would have any friends, would we? But why does it matter that we're so hard on ourselves? What's the big deal, really? Some people might just say, so what? Get over it. Get over yourself. But simply put, our thoughts lead to feelings, which then lead to actions, which ultimately lead to consequences. This is called the looping thought pattern. And let's break this down. If we think, oh, I'm such an idiot. I really messed up with that presentation today. That's the thought. And that instantly triggers the feeling of embarrassment, humiliation, shame maybe. And then that leads to the action, which is we might reach for the cake, the chocolate, the wine for comfort, which then leads to a consequence, which could be even more negative self-talk. Look at me, what a pig, I've eaten all that cake. I'm going to be the size of a house. Who who will want me then? And then, of course, we're back in that cycle. There's more self-blame, feeling unattractive feeling like we don't have any control over ourselves. And ultimately, we might then withdraw. But the one thing you'll certainly not do is give another presentation at work, right? So listen to how that sounds when we're a lot kinder on ourselves. So we say, I messed up. I made a mistake, but mistakes happen. I'm human. And then that leads to the feeling which you may still feel embarrassed a little bit, but it's not quite so intense and it's more compassionate. It's devoid of that self-blame. And that leads to warmer, more loving feelings. And because of that, the consequences will be that you say to yourself, I did my best. How about I do something really nice for myself or I'll call a friend to cheer myself up and we'll have a laugh and then I'll just chalk it up to experience. And then that creates another, a better, more positive feedback loop, which you then might start thinking, the next time I do a presentation, I'll do it differently. I'll rehearse more, I'll practice more, I'll take some tips on how to speak, those kinds of things. We'll find better, more positive solutions. And then we just move on. 
When we treat ourselves badly, when we speak to ourselves and about ourselves badly, we're actually creating neural pathways that become ingrained in our brains. Chances are those neural pathways are already there and they've been there since we were little girls and our parents or a teacher said something that triggered some negative thoughts about ourselves. We've made beliefs about ourselves around those experiences. However well-intentioned, children internalise things that adults say to them and they internalise these beliefs and grow up with them. As humans, we're so primed for signs of rejection, but we don't blame other people for the rejection. We blame ourselves. We say, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. We say all of these things about ourselves. In her TED article from last year, the neuroscientist Lisa Feldman Barrett She explains how people's words and actions can actually shape our brains. And it's because of something called neuroplasticity. Our brains are plastic in that they can change, they can be moulded by our experiences. We're not born with a fixed set of qualities or thoughts or feelings. They evolve and change as life happens to us. And in her article, she says, your brain changes its wiring after new experiences Little by little, your brain becomes tuned and pruned as you interact with others. And more importantly, words have the power to change our biology. Countless studies show how many brain regions that process language also control the insides of our body, including the major organs and systems that manage something she calls the body budget. And the body budget, she says, is the way our brain manages the bodily resources we use every day, like energy, blood flow, oxygen, and so on. When other people speak kindly to us, we're flooded with endorphins, those feel-good chemicals. Blood flow increases to our organs. Our bodies are just infused with oxygen. And this happens not just when other people speak kindly to us, but when we speak to ourselves. And the reverse is true. An unkind word can just flood our bloodstream with stress hormones, speeding up our heart rate, causing us to just feel that those tight feelings of stress within our bodies. You only need to look at someone who's in their first few weeks of being in love to see how these chemicals have such a powerful effect on our bodies. They look so healthy and happy, their skin glows, their eyes sparkle. Imagine if we could walk around in a constant state of being in love with ourselves. We'd save a fortune on beauty creams and treatments and cosmetics, wouldn't we? So let's delve a little bit more into the words we use to describe ourselves, to beat ourselves up, the beliefs that creates in ourselves and the impact that has on our bodies. Well, you only have to consider the placebo. Now, a placebo has no chemical or therapeutic ingredients. In most cases, placebos are just sugar pills. But when people take placebos, believing they are really medicine that will make them better, research shows that they go on to get better. Their health improves. There's so much research that shows how effective placebos really are. Patients get better when they believe they'll get better. And consequently, some studies show that patients also get some of the negative side effects of the medicine they think they're taking from a placebo if they first read the list of side effects. Patients who don't read the list don't get those side effects. It's called the nocebo effect and it's the expectation of a negative effect creates one. And you can Google that. There's lots of research about the nocebo effect. It's really, really fascinating. In his book, Why Woo Woo Works, I have to be careful how I say that. It's not easy to say. 
David Hamilton, PhD, he writes that beliefs alter our biology. He says there's no question that belief causes chemical changes in the brain and that these changes are dependent on what a person believes. He cites cases where patients respond better to placebos that are branded as some of the most expensive brands. Patients respond better to branded paracetamol and ibuprofen, for example, because they believe that they have this belief that the more expensive a drug is, the better it is. And it's a really interesting book because it explores the science behind fields of alternative medicine like meditation, Reiki, crystals, those kinds of things. And in it, he quotes a study that I also share with some of my clients, and it's known as the Piano Study. And in 1995, Alvaro Pascual Leone, a professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School, he asked a group of volunteers to play a sequence of five notes on a piano every day for five days. Each session involved playing notes for two hours, one note with each finger of the hand, moving up and down a scale of five notes. While one group of volunteers did this, a separate group did exactly the same thing, but they did it without a piano. So they actually imagined doing it. They closed their eyes. They imagined that they were playing the five notes in exactly the same way. It's something called kinesthetic imagery, and it's where we recreate movement by vividly imagining how it feels to move. And it's, it's what forms the basis of sports psychology and sports visualization. And a lot of sports psychologists and coaches use visualization techniques just like that. So every one of the volunteers had a daily brain scan. And at the end of the five days, what they found was that the volunteers who actually used a piano, there was definitely evidence to suggest more activity around the finger muscles in the brain. So the part of the brain that was connected with finger muscles, there was more activity. Only the group who didn't have a piano also saw the same changes. In fact, it was impossible to work out which group a volunteer belonged to based on their brain scans. Why am I telling you all this? Well, because our minds are so powerful, they can influence our bodies. And the way our minds work is that they use words and pictures. If I say the word lemon, you'll instantly think of a lemon. Even if I say don't see a lemon, you'll still see a lemon. The the mind focuses on the word lemon and creates the picture that's associated with that word. And if you really want to delve into that, imagine the lemon, imagine you're smelling that lemon Imagine you're biting into that lemon and you can feel all the juice just running around in your mouth. Your mouth is filled with pulp and juice. Your body will actually produce saliva. And that's how powerful the mind-body connection is. Even though the lemon isn't there, your body, your mind is responding to the words and pictures and creating a physical response. So that's why when we're talking about ourselves or to ourselves, It's about using better words and better pictures. And that means using words of kindness. Now, what researchers have found is that the best antidote to stress and anger isn't necessarily calm and peace. Calm and peace, feeling calm and feeling peaceful are side effects of kindness. And what scientists have found is that acts of kindness calm down the stress response. So when we're feeling rubbish about ourselves, when we're beating ourselves up and being really hard on ourselves, that's creating a stress response in our bodies. And when we talk kindly to ourselves, when we comfort ourselves, when we treat ourselves with empathy, that has the biggest impact on reducing stress levels. In fact, what happens is our bodies release oxytocin 
otherwise known as the love drug, the love hormone. And that has an opposite effect to stress. It works to lower our blood pressure, protect our cardiovascular system. In fact, scientists have found that our brains produce oxytocin when either we're being kind or we're witnessing an act of kindness, we're imagining one or even remembering one. So if you're feeling particularly stressed, if you're feeling like you're being really hard on yourself, just remembering a time when someone was kind to you, remembering a time when you were kind to someone else, that can actually recreate the feelings and release oxytocin in your body. You don't actually have to experience kindness in the moment, you can just remember it. So this all comes down to the power of our words. And if you're being too hard on yourself today, I want you to pause. I want you to ask yourself, what's really going on? Why are you being so hard on yourself? The next part of that is to ask yourself, what do you most need? In this moment where you're feeling and being really hard on yourself, what do you most need? Do you need a hug? Do you need some reassurance? Do you need just half an hour of mindless distraction? Do you need to give yourself permission to stop, relax, be creative, do something fun? And there are some key ways we can help bring ourselves back into a kinder, more forgiving state. One of the first ways we can do that is through meditation. And maybe you've tried meditation before, maybe you're not really sure about meditation, but it doesn't mean endless hours of navel gazing. It can be simply 10 minutes of just focusing on your breath to calm your mind. Some forms of meditation are just about being in flow. If you have a hobby that you can get lost in, your mind goes into something called a flow state where you're not really even thinking about anything in particular. You're just in the flow of your hobby. Being outside in nature and really being present in nature, that's something that really has been shown to improve mood, calm the nervous system down and induce feelings of calm and peace and kindness. That means when you're outside in nature, just stop and notice, pay attention, notice the birds, notice the smells, notice what you're seeing. The Japanese have a tradition called Shinrin-yoku, which is forest bathing. And they like to spend time walking in forests and in nature. And they usually say do it for a minimum of 40 minutes. And this isn't about rushing. So it's not a chance to cram in some cardiovascular exercise (laughs) at the same time. This is about really just slowing down and taking your time and getting lost, getting lost in the moment. Another thing you can do is you can also use affirmations. But I want to say a word on affirmations because there are some lovely affirmations available online and in books, but it's really not simply about reciting words over and over again and then just expecting them to become part of your DNA. It doesn't work like that. My personal opinion about affirmations and how to make them effective is to really connect with the feeling of the words and believe them. Words are more powerful when there's an emotion connected to them. And that means saying the affirmations out loud. And yes, it might seem silly. Your neighbours might wonder what on earth you're doing. But if you say them out loud, it's about really feeling them, believing them, creating that emotional connection to the words rather than just reciting them like times tables. And that's how I believe positive affirmations can really, really be effective. Because again, your mind is listening to the words you are using to talk to yourself. Your mind is listening to the words you are using to describe yourself. 
And if you are really saying those words with feeling and emotion and kindness and love, that will have a positive impact on your mind state, on your physical state. So as you say those positive affirmations, try and see if you can really feel them. There are all kinds of ways you can start being kinder to yourself today. The most important one is to really be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of those negative voices in your head, the negative things you say about yourself and the ways that you might be punishing yourself. Are you being kind to yourself? It's not just the words. Are you giving yourself too much to do and why? Really be in touch with what's going on. The benefit to that is if you are really in touch with how you are feeling and what you need on a daily basis. And if you are in touch with all the ways that you can be kinder to yourself, you diffuse the stress, you diffuse the tension. It doesn't build up and build up and build up and then just burst in one almighty argument you have with your partner or just feeling completely burnt out or, or getting ill with flu or cold or something like that. Being kind to yourself on a daily basis is a habit, it's a practice, it's something that we can incorporate more of into the day. And again, it it doesn't have to take hours, it can just take minutes, it can just be something you do. It takes five minutes, ten minutes, but make it a daily thing that you do. And I wanted to take this opportunity to read a short chapter and an affirmation from my book, 100 Daily Affirmations for Women. And it's called Some Days. And I wrote this for those days when we're all being really hard on ourselves. And I thought it was apt to read it out today. Some Days. Some Days, lovely, you may feel a little bit like you're broken, a little bit misunderstood, a little bit on your own. The ones you love may be the ones who hurt you most by being just a little bit careless with your heart. But even when you're at your most downhearted, when you think things won't ever change, and when just a little bit of comfort and happiness feels out of reach, I see you. I know that you are someone special, someone beautiful, someone lovable. Life can and will change for the better in an instant. So be brave, gorgeous. Be your bravest you and keep going. Daily Affirmation In my darkest moments, I am beautiful. When I feel most alone, I am loved. I am lovable, beautiful, worthy. Good times will come again. Happiness will come again. I am doing the best I can, and my best is good enough. I am enough. Most of all, what I want for you today is to recognise all of the ways that you are doing your best, trying your best, given the resources you have of time, money, energy, whatever it is, you are doing your best and your best is always, always good enough. And when we tell ourselves that, when we say I'm doing my best here, I'm doing my very, very best. I deserve some time to relax. I deserve a break. I deserve to go really easy on myself. There's room then to be kinder to ourselves. And that's really important if we want to create this feeling of calm and peace and quiet in our lives. And when we can be kinder to ourselves, that has a really positive impact on our mental 
and physical health. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you found some of the ideas useful. And I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions at all, please email me at dawn at dawnquest.co.uk or you can visit my website dawnquest.co.uk. So bye-bye for now. Take good care of yourself. And I hope you'll join me, Dawn Quest, next week on Essentially Women.